Welcome to Power to Women Life Cast Series brought to you by Impact Africa Network. This is, we are eight episodes in and it's exciting as we move towards the close of the year. We've learned so much from the women we've hosted and today we're about to give you another woman who is also phenomenal. Impact Africa Network is a non-profit startup studio here in Nairobi on a mission to ensure that young, talented Africans participate in the digital transformation of Africa as creators and owners. And we chose to do this life custody so that we're able to host global female business leaders and change makers so that they're able to share their stories with the intent of inspiring a new generation of female leaders in Africa. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Joy Linda, who is going to welcome our guest of today. Joy Linda, welcome. Hi, Phyllis. Uh, thank you for welcoming us to the show. Uh, all our guests, thank you for making time uh, for yet another episode. We're in number eight. Uh, today, we are joined by a phenomenal lady, Admas. We are going to have a conversation with her about career, leadership, life, in general. Admas is the head of social impacts at GitHub, uh, where she leads philanthropic and CSR efforts on behalf of the company. Other than that, she has for over 15 years worked across uh, the social sector with foundations, nonprofits, governments, uh, and so on and so forth. She's worked at FSG, which is a nonprofit uh, consulting firm. Uh, she has also worked for Accenture uh, in the public sector practice. And she has degrees from Harvard, uh, Kennedy School of Government, and Stanford University. Welcome, Admas, and thank you so much for making time to have a conversation with us today. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Joy, and thank you, Phyllis, for inviting me to speak to this incredible community uh, with Impact Africa. I'm very, very happy to be here today. Happy to have you too. So we'll start from the beginning. Um, I'm sure people are curious. You, you know, they're like, your name sounds familiar. She, she American, she Kenyan. <laughs> so yeah. maybe you can, you can, you know, start with explaining your journey. Did you start here in Africa? Did you start in the US? How did you end up uh, in GitHub all those all those years? Uh, help us fill in the gap. <laughs> yes, and there is quite a gap, and um, it, it's it's not a fantastical story, but it's it is a highly unlikely story, um, and I'm I'm so happy to share it and have this opportunity to share it. So as you as you um, when I first got sort of the opportunity to speak with you both, it it was really like a homecoming, you know. And I think speaking with this community today is that. So as you can tell from my name, uh, I am of African origin, uh, and I am an African. African. Um, I was born in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, my father is Kenyan. My mother is Ethiopian. My first name is Ethiopian. My last name is my father's name. And, um, you know, I lived there uh, in my childhood until I was 14 before my, my um, mother immigrated to uh, the United States with, with us. Uh, and, you know, um, that experience of uh, being an immigrant um, has really indelibly just um, uh, formed every uh, perspective that I have. I, I carry Kenya with me everywhere I go. I, I should say Kenya and Ethiopia, so I also respect my mom. Um, but I carry them both with me everywhere I go and it highly influences uh, the work I do um, as well as the perspectives that I share. Um, 
And so um, after we're moving to uh, uh, the US, um, we moved to Los Angeles, which was a, a really interesting community. I think as an immigrant, it was so, we were so fortunate to land in a place like California in a place like Los Angeles, which is really, you know, a, a, a complete community of immigrants from all over the world. And so, you know, while it was hard to find other Kenyans in my first few years uh, living in the US, I definitely felt a lot of kinship with many other immigrants who also were in the same situation of trying to figure out life in a new place, uh, trying to navigate new different systems, trying to manage all that uh, and carrying, um, you know, this um, uh, need to uh, represent your culture, but also learn a new one. And so I think that introduction was, was really, really helpful. I, I can only imagine if we landed somewhere else, how much harder it would have been. Um, I was in Los Angeles. I completed my high school studies there. And then um, I was fortunate to be accepted to Stanford University. And when I was at Stanford, uh, I not only you know built like the most um, formative and, and helpful relationships, all my best friends are from that time there, um, but I also had the opportunity to focus and study economics and international relations. Uh, I started out as pre-med, like every other African student, and then was, um, was quickly disillusioned from that path. <laughs> uh, but, you know, was was very interested in um, international development, was very interested in economic development, was very interested in thinking about how, um, especially countries like Kenya, how Africa can become uh, stronger powerhouses um, in the global economy. And so um, most of the work that I did there was, was really around research on a concept known then as South-South cooperation, which is trade between uh, countries in the global South and how that trade uh, can actually be exponentially um, uh, helpful to, to those systems. When I left uh, Stanford, it was the economic downturn of 2001. So it was a, you know, a really great time to be a college student and looking for a job. It actually wasn't. Um, and I found myself um, actually uh, working. Um, I, I landed a job, a small job, working for a small NGO in a neighborhood in Los Angeles called Skid Row. Now, um, I think for, for those who, who may not know outside of the U.S., um, but, you know, the U.S., you know, for all its incredible wealth, um, also has significant issues in, in inequality and inequity. And one of the ways it plays out is in um, the advent of homelessness. And Skid Row at that time in Los Angeles, I think still continues to have the, um, uh, the uh, reputation of being the homeless capital of the country uh, with over you know 6,000 people sleeping on the streets uh, every day. And so I started working for the small NGO in this community focused on supporting um, chronic homeless individuals, helping them access housing, helping them access uh, the services that they needed. And it was, again, a really incredible education. Um, I ended up staying there for six years. I uh, It was one of these incredible nonprofits like Impact Africa that was well-run, incredibly uh, professional, um, but also with lots of you know passion and commitment to what was a really significant and pervasive uh, social issue, uh, and was also using really innovative practices and and um, 
not only innovative practices, but also was lending those practices and influencing a wider ecosystem of change. And so while I was there, you know, for example, we did a lot of work that led um, not only California, but also the country in thinking about new and different ways of addressing chronic homelessness through things like supportive housing. Um, and it was, you know, continues to be one of the, the best job I ever had in my life. Um, after Skid Row, uh, I decided to go to graduate school, and so that's when I, again, was uh, fortunate to be accepted to the Kennedy School of Government. And, um, you know, I think there I fully expected to, you know, gain new skills and go right back to Skid Row. That was where my heart was. I knew that I was gonna stay working directly with the community and that's all I wanted to do forever. But while I was in grad school, I think I got challenged uh, to think about um, as you work in a nonprofit, on one hand, you know, you're able to see the change right in front of your eyes. Um, but what is often difficult is you're working in, 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 a, in a situation where your resources are constrained. It's, it's hard to be strategic because the needs are extremely urgent. Um, you're nimble and flexible, um, but it's hard to stay the path because you're often so resource constrained. And so I started to um, think about, you know, are there other ways to do social impact work that allow you to be able to get to scale, that allow you to think strategically because you have the opportunity to, and allows you also to be able to address, um, you know, to bring all these other pieces around infrastructure together. And so I um, actually got challenged by one of my best friends to consider consulting. Uh, she was like, well, you worked in Skid Row. You're a problem solver. I'm sure you can solve any business problems. And so um, I went into consulting, and that's um, how I, I landed at the Accenture Public Service Practice. And at that point, you know, we were focusing on all kinds of public uh, service organizations or public sector organizations, mostly the federal government, uh, but also started, we opened a practice focusing on nonprofits specifically. And it was, again, all kinds of nonprofits from educational institutions to arts institutions to international development aid organizations to small local nonprofits. And, you know, consulting was a very, very helpful frame um, to look at all these problems because on one hand, you know, you had the opportunity to focus on things like, stri like strategy and infrastructure. Uh, you had the opportunity to borrow lessons from across different actors in the ecosystem. Um, um, and also, you know, just gain a lot of different uh, skills and, and perspectives uh, by working through with uh, a lot of different clients. Um, after leaving Accenture, I decided actually um, I was on the East Coast for a long time. My family was still back in California, so I decided to move back to California. And that's when I joined FSG, which is a, a nonprofit consulting firm. And at FSG, um, I focused in a couple of areas, uh, one um, around community engagement uh, and got to do a lot of really uh, fascinating work around how we can get community actors uh, to collaborate together to address a significant social issue. And then in my last few years at FSG, I started working on uh, companies and thinking about companies and their role in society. And, you know, and that was, was really new and different to me as well, because I think 
think at that point, you know, I'd spent all my career really focusing in the nonprofit sector, in the public sector. I, like many others, you know, felt like companies are the reason why we're in this mess in the first place. <laughs> and, um, you know, was was um, it? You know, it was. I think a little, a, a bit of a, a spiritual journey to get there in terms of seeing the opportunities, potential, and power that companies can have in making a difference in the world and in society today. And I got to expose to really powerful ideas like shared value, the 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 idea that a company, if it finds that intersection between business and social value, uh, can make a difference on a social problem at scale. Um, we also started to do work around how companies can think about racial equity, which is so pertinent today, especially here in the U.S. As you know, many companies and actors across the system are being called um, uh, called to action around racial justice, um, and you know, started to see companies as, you know, again, this one place where there's a lot of power, there's a lot of resources, there's a lot of uh, potential. And if there are people like me that can influence, you know, those decisions, we can use the, that power and those resources to make real change uh, for the communities that, that we all care about. And so um, through FSG, I, I, um, I landed at uh, GitHub, and it was an opportunity to do that work in-house for a company. And so I've been with a company for a little less than and three years to date and um, you know very again I think very continue to be committed to the idea that companies can make a difference in the world and um, and you know I can talk a little bit later about a number of ways in which we do that so I'll stop there. That was actually something I wanted to dwell on a bit more in terms of helping and you've you've done a good job in trying to understand and help us and the audience understand what social impact entails. But one of the things, and, and I think in our market, they don't necessarily call it social impact, they call it something else, but it stands for the same things, giving back. But one of the things that most impactful organizations struggle with is how to access social impact programs. Uh, because I can speak for us, um, in terms of the work we do, we've received a lot of good support from um, individuals, especially in the Valley, which is fantastic uh but not much in the social impact sector and that's something i'll ask what what how how can we work better to access that to access um some form of ass assistance from social impact programs yeah yeah, yeah uh, you know i i um I, I, I will acknowledge that I think that, you know, companies are really early in their journey and social impact. I mean, compared to the social sector, for example, right? Um, CSR as a concept, you know, or, you know, giving back as a concept really started at companies, you know, less than I think 50 or 60 years ago. And, you know, was very much focused on traditional philanthropy. Uh, and, you know, as, 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 as what we've seen really in the last 20 years is a real um, hopefully like sophistication in how companies are starting to think about their footprint in society, especially as a result of the sustainability movement, uh, the ESG movement, for example. Um, now, I think that one of the reasons I say companies are still very nascent here is that, you know, this is something that, you know, I think I am constantly struggling with, is starting trying to understand the knowledge, expertise, and true assets that are out there in the social sector. You know, um, one of the reasons why I maligned companies so much in the past is because I felt that they always wanted to solve problems on their own, you know, and they always felt like they had all the good solutions 
and all the answers. Uh, and as somebody who's worked in the social sector, you know that no one can solve anything by yourself, that you need actors from across the system, that there is knowledge, even if it's not the knowledge that you have, but the knowledge or that you recognize, uh, that there is real knowledge, there's real expertise that's sitting especially in communities, and that your role is to be able to braid that and braid those relationships together. And I think companies are really early in understanding that concept. And I think that's probably why you're facing some of these challenges. Now, I think that, um, you know, companies are opening up to that. I think that that's uh, becoming a bigger and bigger um, uh, uh, imperative for companies. How do you connect to local communities? How do you connect to local systems? How do you better understand what is happening in communities versus just sort of imposing from afar or from HQ? Um, but I think I think they're still very very early in that journey. And um, and um, yeah, I think that's my hope is that I can influence them to to be able to open up their apertures much much more. I think uh, that takes me back. Sorry, Joy, I see you admitted. Maybe to explain, and I, I think you tried attempting to explain how social impact actually works, like on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, how does it How does it work? Explain to me in layman's language. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, mm -hmm. I can talk a little bit about sort of like our work and then mm -hmm. hopefully yes. that can be illustrative. And it's it's one it's one model. It's not the only one, um, but I think it's it's pretty pretty common. Um, so, you know, often social impact sits as a, um, as a team or a group or a function uh, within a company. Um, you will see it sit in a number of different places. Um, we actually sit within the legal organization. Um, so GitHub is a Microsoft company. Uh, and similar to Microsoft, um, we have organized most of the work that happens, especially around philanthropy, sustainability, that is um, government relations, uh, sits within a group called Corporate and External Legal Affairs. And so we sit within that group. Um, social impact teams or CSR teams um, can, can sit in a number of different places across the organization. I've seen them in uh, marketing organizations. I've seen them in human resources organizations. Uh, I've even seen them within product groups, for example. But um, but again, you know, it's not to say that one 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 uh, way of arranging this is is better than the others. But there are just many models out there, and they they yield different different results. And so we sit within the legal group. Um, I I I like it because I think that um, first uh, we are very much uh, we we have great, really great sponsorship, um, but also we sit within a group that is focused on what is the company's role in society. What is the company? How does the company move outside of the company walls? What? How do we, you know, influence uh, systems, governments, etc.? And so, to sit within a group that is constantly thinking of that about that, um, we we feel very much like kindred spirits with with our, you know, legal uh, colleagues. Um, so, so, so that's sort of the first thing is how where social impact teams are, are placed within a company. And then, um, then it comes to sort of like what what is your strategy and what you're trying to accomplish. And you know, we think uh, you know with GitHub, what we try to focus on is how we can leverage the full assets of the business for social good. Um, we know the company can give money. That's great. Uh, 
We know the company can give products, that's great. But we know that there are many other assets throughout the business that can be leveraged for social good, not just those two. And so our efforts are like, how can we unlock those opportunities really throughout the business? And so our strategy is really focused in, in three key areas. Um, the first area, which is really what we think of as our sort of signature initiative, is what we call tech for social good. And that work is how are we leveraging GitHub's technology, its products, its technical expertise, its access to the open source ecosystem for social good. And I have an incredible colleague who does that work and is connecting GitHub and its products and its um, you know, engineers and its uh, uh, communities to social good organizations and thinking about the ways in which GitHub's technology and its products can make a change for those organizations. And I think that that, that area of that area really arrives at this like perfect like intersection between the business and social good. So that's our first portfolio. Our second portfolio is I think where we see most of our, our giving or giving back, which is our employee giving and volunteering work. So employees and, and, and even tech employees, to my surprise, I was very surprised by this, are incredibly passionate about giving back. Uh, and in addition to that, you know, this is not only sort of a competitive advantage for the company in terms of, you know, really in attracting employees, um, but, you know, even the employees that are at GitHub are just very passionate about giving back in many ways. We're actually in a giving campaign right now in the month of December, uh, and that work is all about how we can activate employees to give back to the communities in which they live and work. And then our last portfolio is what we call the tech pipeline, which is all about how can we increase access and opportunity um, at GitHub or um, through GitHub for the many, 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 many communities that we know that are underrepresented in technology. And in that work, you know, what we have taken is a, a very like equity focused view on trying to say, what are the populations that face the highest barriers to employment? And what can we do to help assist them on that journey? And so that work involves like, how are we leveraging, you know, skilling programs? Um, how are we giving folks opportunities um, to, um, uh, how are we influencing also the company and you know and github you know also like many companies is starting starting to realize the ways in which we have you know traditionally set up the system has locked out so much incredible talent and so we are able to influence the company in thinking about also what are the internal systems that we have in place that are preventing us from tapping the best talent but also tapping underrepresented talent in places where we haven't looked before and so you know that you know one of the things like, for example, at GitHub, you don't need a college degree to work at GitHub. It's not a requirement in any job description because your skills are more important than where you went to school. And so that's just sort of one example of the work that we do there. But, you know, so happy, happy to go deeper. Um, so that's our strategy. And and, and our work is, is, is really, you know, how we can um, implement and activate those strategies and then bring them to scale. And we do that with a couple of different approaches. We, thought, we do that with, you know, the company's philanthropy. So that's, you know, dollars. Um, GitHub comparatively to like many of the big companies doesn't give away a lot of money, but gives away some money every year. Um, we do that a lot through our products. Uh, we do that a lot through engaging in the open source ecosystem or with open source communities, especially in our tech for social good work. Uh, and um, Yes, and, and we do that particularly even with leveraging employees and employee talent and expertise in some ways. So that's a little bit about the kinds of like what we do as well as the, how we do it uh, at the same time. So I'll stop there.
That's actually really, really incredible. You've uh, said a few points that I resonate with, and I'm sure the folks at Impact Africa mm, do resonate with too. Uh, I love your point about tapping raw talent. You know, like you don't need a college degree to, you know, be at GitHub, for example. Um, you know, one of the things we believe in 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 Impact Africa Network is sort of the same thing because we have in our fellows coming at a very young age, some before they even graduate. Uh, some, uh, two of them actually graduated this week. Shout out to Ian and Ezekiel. This is your congratulatory message. Uh, so what what I'm trying to say is, you know, we have we've seen the effect of taking in raw talent, young people who are just passionate and ready to work, which is, you know, I believe you guys have seen the same thing. So it's good to see we are on the same radar. Um, and I love also that your employees are passionate about giving and the fundraiser in me is just uh, itching to ask how we can get wow. <laughs> how we can get into that kind of that kind of giving. Because um, uh, as of course, you, you know, we are set up as a nonprofit. So we, you know, get our funds through philanthropic capital. So yeah. Backstage, I think I will I will ask you how to get into into that. Yes, and the last point is you mentioned you know companies need to really sit back and think about their role in society as opposed to just having traditional philanthropy, which is what we are used to here yeah. in Africa. You know, um, so I think that's something they could uh, and you know the young innovators are also setting up companies so this is something you can think mm -hmm. about uh, as they create their own companies how to have shared value and you know between business and social good so that is good before we move on uh, to the next question i would just like to remind the audience that they can ask uh, admas any questions uh her twitter handle is at admas can uh, please feel free to tweet her and ask her any questions if you're watching from youtube just typing into the comment section we'll be able to see even on facebook just typing into the comment section we will be able to see your questions and ask admas um in the end uh, this uh, of this broadcast mm -hmm. yes now moving on admas i know um working in silicon valley has its wins and i'm just curious uh, of the opposite uh, what are some of the challenges you've had uh, working in Silicon Valley over the years, especially, of course, as a woman. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I, um, uh, I'm, I'm constantly reminding people that I'm not of tech, <laughs> that I'm just a visitor here. Um, but uh, I think after three years, I, I think I have to acknowledge that I am part now part of that ecosystem. Um, you know, I think the challenges that I faced are, are very similar to, to, I think, what many other women have faced uh, in the tech industry, which is a male-dominated industry. I think that the one that um, is most salient to me, and I sort of touched a little bit upon it before, is, um, you know, just the idea that, um, you know, of, of like constantly, you know, proving your value and your expertise. So I'm not a developer or engineer. Um, and uh, on one hand, I, I think that that is a, um, was a little bit of a detriment to my experience in Silicon Valley, because there is that insight 
insider culture that is very hard to penetrate um, if you are not um, trained as a developer or as an engineer. Um, but then also, I can only imagine that even if I was an engineer, that even women who do have those skills also are locked out of this ins insider culture. And so that even would have probably not have been enough. And so I think that one of the biggest um, ways that that it's manifested is, you know, just, you know, starting to um, uh, really demonstrate sort of the value uh, that not of, of that knowledge that is outside of the tech industry is one big challenge that I face all the time. So I was a, I was trained as a consultant, right? And you know, part of my consulting training was really around you know how do you look out across the ecosystem and the landscape and take lessons from others. And, you know, while I think that there is, a um, you know, a lot of learning that is espoused in tech, uh, a lot of learning only happens within that bubble. Um, and so, you know, as I was, you know, I'm all constantly bringing up examples from manufacturing and retail and from pharmaceuticals. Um, you know, in the beginning, it was very, very hard to really convince others of, you know, models and frameworks that were that did not come from the tech industry. And I think that part of it is because there's this like incredible hubris that you know the all the knowledge we have is here and it's only here and it's nowhere else <laughs> and it's here uh whereas you know what tech misses out is on the incredible knowledge that is really across you know different industries the incredible opportunity to learn uh even from you know um examples that are not necessarily analogous um, that that can give you insight and that can give you awareness. And so that that has been a, a big challenge for me is just really getting them to understand that, you know, that the knowledge exists outside of the tech bubble and that knowledge is valuable and, and worth it. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. And I can totally relate because yeah. most of the time I usually find myself in tech circles and I have to remind them, um, I didn't go to tech school, but I know. I know, I know things. Yeah, I know things. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And speaking of tech and non-tech, um, one of our audiences, Naomi, has a question. Um, she says, I've always known GitHub to be a platform where engineers get to share their coding work uh, with one another. How would you get the employees to stand up and move towards social impact? Mm. You know, I, I would say that I, I don't have to do a lot. And as, as I was saying that, you know, employees are incredibly passionate already. And what, what my role is, is how can I channel those passions uh, into something and to give employees a way to, you know, channel those passions and those, um, uh, the need to, to want to make a social impact. So, you know, one example that I can think of is, you know, employees are incredibly motivated um, about nonprofits in their own local communities. I find out all the time that, you know, employees are, have been volunteering for their local library for the last you know 15 years and, and never told anybody you know for example uh, or or um, you know have you know have been giving to you know a local nonprofit in their community for a long time and serving on its board and so my role is how do I take 
that incredible early energy, how do I reward that energy? How do I think about company programs that help deepen the impact of the work that they're already doing in the community? And so one example is that, um, you know, we, we have a gift match program where if employees are really excited about donating, mm -hmm. the company will match you and the company will match you up to $15,000 a year, which is one of the highest matches across the tech industry. And so that is one way in which we can like help employees like improve, you know, activate their passions and deepen the impact of the work that we do. We're also starting to think about other ways that we can help equip em employees to, um, to, to, to be you know, better, you know, social actors. And so, you know, how do we help them with things like board training? How do we teach them how to fundraise for their look for their nonprofit that they care about? Um, how do we give them opportunities to, um, and this is something else we're also working on is that, you know, our employees are also want to spend their time and energy and their expertise on issues that are impacting the social sector. And so, you know, one example is that we're starting a skills-based volunteering program. So employees can, you know, donate their technical expertise to nonprofits as yet another way that they can give back. And so, yeah, I, I often find that that the, the work is not sort of convincing employees. They're already there. The work is around how can I activate them and, and amplify and then deepen the impact that they're already making through the company. I, I, can't, I can't go without asking, in terms of the company history and what you're looking at, does your social impact in whatever angle whether the employees or from where you see it look at markets outside of the us uh because that's some other things that i find people box themselves into their immediate surrounding and you spoke about something i think when you were doing undergraduate you were looking at how you can still be connected to your motherland i want to know whether that's something that you are championing github or github generally is doing oh, yeah just yeah no that. absolutely um you know i i often acknowledge that even though i am a you know african born um, I haven't I haven't worked in Africa for you know since I was fourteen, <laughs> so um, you know I'm not um, I, I understand that a lot of my professional experiences have been very U.S. centric and U.S. formed, and so I sort of acknowledge that as a you know uh, as a as, as a bias as a very like normal bias that comes into my work, and so I'm constantly asking folks to challenge that bias in many many ways so that you know GitHub wants to be a global company. I mean, it's a small company right now, but its aspirations are to grow. Our our, our community on GitHub is global, and that we are now seeing you know incredible and exponential growth uh, by our community outside of the US and Europe. And so it's become not just a nice to do, it's become a business imperative for GitHub to really think about um, its, its, um, its reach and its uh, uh, scale and its footprint outside of the US and even outside of Europe. And so there are a number of ways that that's happening. And again, you know, um, it, it, it's really, really started to get into gear uh, in this past year. Um, I think a big piece of that is localization localization, localization of our product and how that needs to really happen across all these new geographies that, that we are um that we are now seeing are, are being supported on the platform. Um, we are now seeing a, a big 
like energy around how we can um, invest in Africa, knowing that you know that we've we've had like you know like they've been like visits to get to to get to uh, Africa by GitHub employees for the last four or five years. Our CEO actually went, I think, two years ago um, to um, to sort of get a sense of the open source community and was so excited about it. And so now there are plans um, around international expansion. I think especially in Nigeria, sort of like our first hub and thinking about more work to happen, especially in Nairobi and South Africa is sort of the two other big hubs that we see in our OS community. Um, and so, you know, I think that that to me is, is really exciting. And I think I have a personal goal and I have a sort of personal um, uh, imperative for that work to happen and for me to come to GitHub, to come to Nairobi with GitHub. And so, you know, one of the ideas that my team was, was playing with before the pandemic is, you know, should we try to do a social impact conference in Nairobi? Because Nairobi is also this incredible hub um, for social impact work, especially uh, across the, the UN organizations uh, that are doing work on, on the ground in Africa. And so in addition to being an incredible tech hub and has all these amazing, amazing elements that can really braid together the work that we're doing around, you know, bringing technology and impact, using it as a, as a tool for impact on social problems. And so, you know, I think all to say is that, you know, there's more to be done. And um, I, I am really, really um, happy that I am sitting where I'm sitting so that I can influence that to happen even more. And that I think my um, challenge is that I, I like, I, I need to help lead that work. I need to sort of make it happen. Uh, and that's my own personal challenge over the next few years. That is great. I'm, I'm happy to hear that coming from you. And I mean, I'm here putting Impact Africa on the front line, saying that we, you can look at us as, as local partners when you're starting to do the things, in, especially in Nairobi. Uh, and I, I can't go without mentioning that, yeah, the co-founder, uh, Scott Chacon, was with us yes. last year. I think I mentioned it to you. Yes. Yeah. He, did, he did our first uh, Power Speaker series where he's, we hosted him. He, he spoke to about 300 and something young people at a local university. And it was amazing for them to get to see someone else who's been in that journey and, and they've learned. Um, at this point, I have Naomi has another question that I think is very interesting and we can't go without asking. She asks, how have you been able to bring your cultures, Ethiopian and Kenyan, and your whole self to work every day at GitHub? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's really important. Well, you know, I think that when we talk about bringing our whole self to work, it's always a, um, you know, it, it's a it's a negotiation. You know, I think that um, before GitHub and when I was early in my career, um, you know, I and, and and as an immigrant, I think that one of the things that you learn is almost like a self protective mechanism is to try to blend in. You know, you want to blend in, you want to assimilate. As you can tell, my accent is assimilated. Um, but then I also realized very early in my journey about how my story, my culture, my journey is a superpower, you know, and that uh, it's an incredible asset. And so, you know, I lead constantly with my story. Um, I lead constantly with um, my story of, 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 of being an immigrant to this new country, um, of the struggles of what that was like, of being raised by a single mother. Um, and, you know, all those pieces of my personal story are so important to the work that I do. They are the motivations for why I do this work. And they're also very important for people to know who I am and how to work with me. <laughs> 
And so I think that, you know, constantly telling your story, constantly sharing, you know, your elements of um, your culture um, all the time, I think is an important piece of, of doing that. But it takes time. I will say that it took me a long time um, to get comfortable with that because of, you know, the, um, I think the ways in which sometimes we're made to feel, the ways in which we uh, are sometimes othered because we, you know, come from a different place, have a different perspective, speak differently, you know. Uh, in high school, when I came to American high school, the first thing that, you know, that that I did was was change my accent. Like in a year, it was gone, you know. And um, in a year, I stopped spelling color with an O and a U. Like in a year, it was just gone, you know. And part of that was this, you know, I think just this very natural way of just wanting to protect yourself, um, especially when you feel like you are in hostile territory. Um, but over time, I think especially through college and through my early career, realized that um, all of these things are, are incredible assets and they're not deficiencies. And if anything, they make me more powerful as a leader uh, in my role today. Amazing. Those are very incredible points uh, you brought out. And my favorite point is, our stories and journeys are our superpowers. Those are what that pushes us to, you know, be better and motivates us to, you know, rise above. So that's a very incredible point. So like any other startup environment, um, Impact Africa has both tech and non-tech um, stuff. Um, and I like that one of the ladies in the audience, Evelyn, asked um how were you able to adapt in a tech field you know seeing as your background is not in the tech industry she would really yeah no something. absolutely um uh gosh yeah i mean i'm constantly adapting every day i think that one thing is that i'm, I'm trying to you know i think one always acknowledge what i don't know <laughs> uh but then also just relish in the opportunity to be um a learner and a novice at some things. Uh, and it was a while, you know, um, this, you know, I've been in my career for almost 20 years. And so going to a job where I had to learn new things uh, was was difficult. But I think one one of the things I, I really appreciated was just, you know, this this like lovely feeling, which I hadn't had since I was in school of, of trying to, to understand something new and different. And so I think I would say, you know, relish that, don't, don't be afraid of it, don't be afraid of your, um, uh, you know, naivete in, on some topics. You know, I, when I'm sitting with like the product teams or engineering teams, I mean, it's just, they're speaking Greek to me. Um, but um, I try to, you know, you know, I try to sort of put aside that uncomfortable feeling and, and really try to remember what it's like to be a learner again and how what it's like to, to learn and understand new things. And then, you know, I've, I've tried, I've tried to, you know, I've, I've learned a few things since these la in these last three years of, um, you know, um, about tech that I just would have never known uh, before. And so, yeah, just acknowledging that it's uncomfortable, um, but, um, but, there is, you know, you can find some joy, especially if you remember um, what it's like to be a learner. <laughs> exactly. This is some of the points you emphasize at Impact Africa Network. Learn, learn new things, um, get out of your comfort zone all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid. Ask those yeah. questions. Yes. Yeah. Um, at I know you've held uh, different leadership positions uh, in different places, starting you know, with your own consulting firm, Accenture, and now GitHub. 
Um, and my question is, has being a woman influenced your leadership style? Uh, of course. <laughs> I, I think it, it, I, I would find it very hard to separate um, being a woman from um, how I lead. Um, I think one of the things that is really helpful um, about being a woman as a leader is that um, I, I think a lot about intuition and awareness, you know, uh, and, and how to see things that are invisible, how to make the invisible visible, you know. And I think that that is one of the things that is, I think, influences me a lot about being a woman because uh, being a leader as a woman, because, you know, as a woman, you move through life, you know, I think constantly aware of how you're being perceived, constantly under, trying to understand others, constantly, you know, trying to better navigate, you know, all these systems and structures and barriers that are around us. And as I said before, you know, our stories are superpowers. I think this is another superpower that is honed in women. As a result, you know, our intuition and our awareness is is so deep. And so I think that's one of the ways that it's manifested as a, as a leader. And I think some of the feedback that I've received even from like my bosses, it's like, wow, Edmus, I, I didn't see that, but you could see that. And I think that, you know, part of that is, you know, developing, you know, deep practices around reflection, deep practices around awareness, deep practices around looking deeper to get to like the deeper truth of something versus reacting at, you know, what is at the surface level. And and I, I think that's a superpower that women have. Some men have it, but I think I think women, many and most women have this superpower. And um, if we could activate it in our roles, we could be even more powerful. Well, 46 minutes in, time has really gone. I think we've spent time understanding GitHub and I can tell people in our team are really excited about the possibilities of GitHub. I must mention, I think our CEO has just reminded us in the comment section, we have history. Our first donor was actually Scott Chacon, one of our first donors. <laughs> So there's history. Um, and as we look to winding up here, people came here to, to hear you, to learn from you, but also to learn from the work that GitHub does. I can't go without asking, what is Admas doing uh, in your role now, heading social impact at, 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 at GitHub, to, con to ensure that you're growing, that you're continuing to develop as a leader, but also as a leader, particularly in social impact? What, what are you doing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm constantly, um, you know, I think this comes from, again, like my consulting training is that I'm constantly reading, constantly reflecting, constantly, um, and, you know, keeping track of industry trends. Um, the other thing that I think really helps deepen my uh, learning is that I am in relationship with other women leaders in the same role. And so one of the most powerful, like, um, learning opportunities I had was to join a very informal formal group of women social impact leaders at companies, and it has been one of the most fruitful experiences. Uh, and so these informal relationships that you can make uh, with other folks who are also experiencing the same things that you're experiencing and communities, they can serve as really a great, uh, not just a place of support, but also a place of learning. And so I'm constantly learning through that group. Um, 
of you know what mistakes folks have made, you know how they've dealt with challenges, very similar challenges, and so that's really critical. Um, you know, I think the other piece that I do every year is that I, you know, this is also what's happening right now at the end of the year is I go and I, I I reconnect with like the old people that I've worked with that I really respect and that I um, um, that had served as mentors to me at a time in my life, and you know just. I, you know, I think that's the other thing that I'm really realizing as I get older, staying in relationship is so important and that relationships can serve even as a great teaching tool um, and that uh, the communities, both formal and informal that we build around ourselves are really like what propel us forward. And so, you know, I try to be intentional about that at the end of every year, making those connections again so that, you know, I can both, um, you know, learn what people are doing and then also get influenced uh, by what they're doing. Doing and share what I'm doing too. <laughs> that is great. You've mentioned a point, and we are almost done here about mentorship, something that you have kept close, which is something that we really encourage. Uh, but now that we are speaking to you and we're speaking to GitHub, I think one of the most amazing things that would happen to, I think, the fellows at Impact Africa Network, and I'm speaking on their behalf on a public forum, is if they had a chance to interact, especially with people. In, in the GitHub space. And if, I mean, we can talk about this later, but this would be amazing, one of those exchanges, especially in person. Uh, yeah, but we can talk about this later. Yeah. I think that would be amazing because engineering experience is something that we are growing in and it's very important to the things that we're building. And that would be a wonderful opportunity for our young people. Um, I don't have anything else on our end. I don't think we have another question from our, our audience today has been very engaging i must tell you people are very excited <laughs> from our team from what i've seen um and uh, happy to have had from you uh joy anything else um i think we have just some comments from the audience uh they are really resonating with your point on continuous learning which is critical for growth uh jolan smith uh is also relating to your story as she says it's such an inspirational personal story especially uh, many children in the u.s uh schools are immigrants and you know and are english language learners um when they do feel the need to assimilate to the um, american culture and you know she's glad that you know that 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 is your superpower and many people just highlighting that we need to keep planning and be adaptable and somebody is michael is looking forward to that github conference in nairobi yes. <laughs> so we hope it happens evelyn is really excited about you coming to nairobi so we really hope uh that uh happens and um before we close uh this, this is a question we always ask uh every lady uh what uh is the challenge you're leaving for the next generation of female leaders uh behind you Mm. Well, I'm sorry that we didn't fix the world for you all. I think that's the most important thing is that we should have fixed it. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we will make it a little better before leaving it to you. Um, you know, I think like, you know, maintaining relationships and the value of relationships, I think, is the most important Um you know, not, not, I mean, the challenge is that, you know, we have so many distractions, we have so many pervasive barriers towards us as women, uh, no matter where we are in the world. Um, but we can find, um, we can find not just sort of support, but also um, sponsorship and, and help by staying in relationship with each other. And so I think that's just really critical. Um, I, um, you know, have incredible relationships, both personal and professional with women. And, 
I think that they influence everything that I do and the lenses that I take into my work. I also come from a line of firstborn daughters, and I have a firstborn daughter too. And I also think that, you know, our connection to the ancestors is constantly speaking through us. And so, you know, I think as we think about the next generation, that, you know, that importance of of maintaining relationships in all the chaos, in all the, you know, um, distraction that life uh, leads us, I think is one that I I would leave with the group. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely right. And one of uh, our speakers in the last few weeks also mentioned the importance of the same, you know, that you know, women sometimes we just really fight each other when we're not supposed to be fighting but growing each other. So that's an absolutely great point and a very, very good way to end the show tonight. Um, but I will not end without mentioning that Impact Africa Network is a nonprofit startup studio committed to changing the African narrative. And we firmly believe that women are critically important in this mission. Um, we are committed to providing women leadership positions in the startups and scale-ups that span out of the studio. And to support our work, uh, you can join our micro-editions program uh, that is for as little as $20, $30 a month you can be part of this exciting movement towards creating a new African future and you can support our young fellows as they develop the next big solutions for our continent and beyond. I think it's been great uh, and an inspiring night. Uh, Our audience, thank you for always uh, making time every Friday. You guys make our Fridays. We are always looking forward to these conversations. Atmas, thank you so much for making time and we hope to see you in person in Nairobi. Yes. Yes. Let's plan to do both. Let's plan to do both. You Definitely. Will host yeah. And you will Definitely. host me. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's great. All right. Thank you. Thank you and good night, yes. everybody. Thank you.